Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Miss Independence podcast. I'm so excited about today's episode, and I am really looking forward to uh, talking about how to make an effective change when having a disability or chronic illness. But before we get into that, I kind of want to make a few announcements. Um, So season two is already coming to an end. We have about three episodes left, including this one, or after this one. And um, I have decided to do a themed Q&A for the last episode, and it's going to be about uh, navigating the holidays when having a disability or chronic illness. So that can be anything from physical barriers or emotional barriers, how to set boundaries, how to manage your time effectively to make sure you get everything you want done in this uh, holiday time period. So I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, If you guys have any questions, I would love for you to submit them to the Miss Independence Podcast Instagram. Um, So I can answer them and I will collect them and then do the Q&A. So please, please, please submit your questions. Um, On that note, if you have not liked our social media, um, again, it's Miss Independence Podcast at Instagram. So just this podcast name. And then we also have a TikTok. So um, please... Please go follow that for more information about the podcast and uh, uh, updates throughout the week in between podcasts and in between seasons uh, to stay updated. Also on this note, um, as you guys have seen, uh, last week we wrapped up our support series episodes, and I'm really curious to get your guys' feedback about how you liked having those grouped episodes and having a specific theme. Um, I'm wondering if I should do more of those episodes and how you guys like them and which one was your favorite. So um, I will post that on Instagram as well because I would love to hear your guys' feedback. Um, And I also have a post up. um, So please go and share your feedback about which episode was your favorite and what other kind of themed uh, or um, grouped episodes I could do that you would like to see. So anyway, without further ado, I'm going to introduce this podcast and then uh, we can get into it. But Like I said, this podcast is about how to make an effective change. I think that when we have a disability or chronic illness, making a change can be very scary and hard, and it can be something that we can be hesitant hesitant to do just based off of being in our own comfort zone or the uncertainty of making a change or the um, other unknowns or just kind of not knowing where to start. Again, the lack of informational support, like we have talked about in previous episodes. So I think it's really important to know that being proactive about making a change, whether it is having a disability or a chronic illness, or even being a caregiver as somebody with a disability or chronic illness, um, but just in everyday life, being proactive about making a change is going to make it go so much more smooth than just doing it and deciding to do it on a whim without any kind of change. So I think that those are kind of hard, um, specifically to disability or chronic illness. I think it can be hard to navigate change because we need a little bit of extra support or different support as well as the uncertainty of it all. But I hope this episode brings you comfort and provides you steps uh, to make an effective change. This is not my model. This is a model that I learned in my health communication class. Um, I'm going to try to link the textbook um, and some other resources that you guys can look at for further information. But yes, disclaimer, this is not my um, own model. But anyway, without further ado, let's get started. 
Do you ever feel like you're unseen or unheard because of your disability? Do you feel isolated and unsupported? Welcome to the Miss Independence podcast. From questions about chronic illness to doctor's appointments, dating, advocating for yourself, this podcast should provide information about the odds and ends of life for someone with a disability or chronic illness. We will talk about many different topics that I hope you can use as a resource to make your life better. I will share personal stories as well as having guests and experts come and share their own experience and expertise. I am hoping that there can be unfiltered conversations and assumptions that are debunked so that people who do not live this life can be informed about what life with a disability is like. I am really looking forward to interacting with you and hearing your experience. Thank you for listening. So like I said, there is a five-step process uh, you can use or uh, kind of let you guide on how to make an effective change. Now, this isn't my model. I learned about this in my health communication class, but I feel like it's very applicable, especially when you have a disability or chronic illness and change can be scary or unpredictable or, uh, you know, you kind of just have to find your own rhythm and what works for you. So I'm hoping that this five-step process is really going to be beneficial. So I'm just going to name them first, and then I will go back and talk about each of them individually. So the first step is the pre-contemplation stage. The second step is the contemplation stage. The third step is making a plan. The fourth step is implementing the plan. And the last step is maintenance. So like I said, the first step is the pre-contemplation stage. So this is an unconscious or um, subconscious thought of wanting to make a change and not why that, I mean, it's not really something that you're consciously thinking about. You don't know that you need to make a change or you don't have a desire to make the change. It's just kind of in the back of your mind and deep down in all the files, right? Uh, It's not something you spend a lot of time thinking about either the pros and cons or the consequences of continuing this specific action. It's just kind of an action you do without any conscience, conscious awareness. Um, I, um, I think it's also important to know that it could be both interdependent or independent. So the thought, it could be based off of something that you just do for yourself. So whether that is a change in your diet or it could be an interdependent, a uh, change that needs to be made, so a change that needs to be made with another person. So like maybe setting a boundary with them or redoing a schedule with one of your caregivers or picking out a different day to go to a, an appointment that you do regularly. Uh, those are all um, interdependent because they rely on two people, right? It's um, a shared experience versus an independent, maybe your health one isn't as much of a... Um, interdependent process because you're the only one eating and maybe you're responsible for your own meals and how to make them. So I think that's important to talk about too, because when there's independence versus interdependence, you have to consider how to communicate as well as what's going to work for more than one party. It's not just about you anymore. You have to be able to find a solution or a system that works for everyone involved um, and that motivates them as well. Uh, another component of the pre-contemplation stage is that maybe you're receiving feedback. Maybe you're, you, maybe, like I said, maybe you've been told that there's a problem. Maybe you 
again, don't perceive it as a problem, but that doesn't mean multiple, multiple people haven't come to you and told you that there's a problem. So I think it's really important to uh, realize that at this stage, you're not really doing anything with that information. That's really what makes the pre-contemplative stage unique or authentic compared to the rest of the uh, cycle of making a change because it's not, there's not any action, right? So I uh, wanted to come up with an example to kind of use for this uh, um, system. And uh, so an example for this is someone going, um, someone going, losing weight unexpectedly, um, or someone needing um, to lose weight or because it's just unhealthy and maybe they've been advised by the doctor or, um, you know, a dietitian or whoever have you. Um, but they, again, they don't see it as a problem, right? So um, any feedback given is not going to be acknowledged by the patient or by the individual, not just a patient. Um, so that is what makes the pre-contemplation stage. It is really just about uh, information being, um, I'd say received, but that's not the right word. Uh, it's really just about um, information gathering and not letting it sit within the file. So the second one is the contemplation stage. So the contemplation stage is now where you take all that information that is stored in that file that we talked about and you talk about um, and you start thinking about, is this change going to be something that's going to help or hinder my life? And thinking about the pros and cons of making the change. Um, again, communication in this stage is going to be very important. It is going to be... Um, again, dependent on the interdependence or the independence of the type of change that needs to be made, type of change that needs to be made, um, and not acknowledging that there is a problem or um, in this perceived situation, and then talking about um, why um, contemplation, um, talking about how you... Um, are perceiving the situation and why, again, talking about the pros and cons of making the change, but why you perceive that there needs to be a change. So again, that could be the diet going back to the um, other, the previous stage, or it could be uh, s smoking, or I'm trying to come up with like a non-health habit, um, spending too much time on your phone, uh, maybe not proofreading your emails at work. Uh, maybe it's the way you exercise, maybe um, not necessarily that you're not getting exercise, but maybe the way in which you're going about it maybe isn't the smartest way or the best way or the most accessible way for your disability. So that could be a, um, another way to look at this as well. So this is the next, the step three is the fun part, making the plan. So I think when we're making a plan, it's really important to consider who, what, when, where, and how. I want to make sure I'm getting all the W's, right? Um, who, what, when, where, and how. Yes. Um, so the questions you can ask in this stage are, what systems uh, do you need to uh, put in place or change? Maybe you have a system that just needs to be tweaked a little bit, but not necessarily changed. Um, 
who can who can you count on to help make this transition? What small daily habits can you do to make this uh, change more manageable? Where can you store this information to remember it? So maybe it's a, a spreadsheet of all your important docu or all, all your important medical contacts. Because uh, maybe you're maybe you're trying to get more organized, right? Maybe you have found that when you're more organized, your um, management of your disability is better. So maybe one of those implementations is having a spreadsheet of all your medical doctors, and uh, maybe that just needs to be tweaked a little bit, right? Um, When uh, deciding when you should implement the change and how does this change happen and where can you go for support? So I think that those are all definitely things that we need to consider when making a plan. And I think that the plan needs to be both oral as in like a conversation about how the plan is going to look. And if, you know, having written documents helps, I would uh, talk I would consider doing a written article, a written article, a written document. Personally, for me, I like to talk through things as well as have a backup uh, that I can refresh my recollection and be able to uh, get the information I need for the um, changes that are going to be made. So that way I have two sources of information that I can go back and refer to. So like I said, who can, who can you count on to make this transition? So I think it's also important to have a support person again. Um, and this doesn't mean it necessarily needs to be interdependent, but maybe it's just somebody who knows where that medical document spreadsheet is so that if you forget, they can tell you. Or maybe it's um, a phone call once a week to help you get on track and do, uh, divvy out your week and um, know who is doing what, when, and what you need to be doing, that kind of stuff. So I think that that's really important. Um, so you know who to talk to, who you're communicating with about certain topics. Um, if you have multiple people involved, that's another thing to consider. Who are you talking to about what? Because that can get really confusing, especially if you're going to individual people for different things, right? It can be very uh, it can make the system very po complicated if there are multiple people involved in different conversations. So you want to make sure you're having the conversation with the right information with the right person. Uh, I think another important thing is to talk about um, what um, small daily habits can you do to make this change more manageable. I think that when we talk about change, in such a big, broad, I guess broad is a better word, in a broad term or a broad sense, it's like, oh my gosh, I have to make a change. What is this going to look like? I feel like I'm going to fail already. You know, all that kind of stuff. And I think that it can be more manageable if we put the change into bite-sized pieces. So take going to the gym, for example. Maybe you want to get a gym membership and you... Um, want to start working out, you don't know how, whatever. Um, maybe you um, start with making a list of things you need to do. So in order to get a gym membership, I would want to go, you know, talk to a few different gyms to see which gym is going to be a good fit. So my first step would be Google the gyms in your area that would be accessible for you. 
And then the next step could be, okay, call those gyms and see what the prices are and see what kind of classes they offer and all that kind of stuff. So maybe the second step is uh, have write down a list of questions for each potential gym. And then the third step could be call the gym and ask for those questions and then maybe schedule a visit with a couple of the top three gyms. And then you can decide um, once you do those gym visits, which one is going to be the right fit for you. So I think that breaking the steps down into manageable steps and smaller concise, and I think that that's an important word too. You want to be very specific with your goals. Um, it's going to be very important to be successful. I think that the more clarity you have around your goals and the more, um, again, concise that they are, it's going to be more beneficial for sure. So the next one, like I said, where when should you make implement the change? Again, that you don't necessarily, maybe not all change is something that can happen right away, again, based off of accessibility. So I think it's important to be realistic about when you can make the change or what type of change you can make within your lifestyle right now. Um, you know, it might not be um, manageable for you to go change your doctors right now if um, circumstances don't allow it. Or, you know, maybe you want to um, learn to cook, but you don't really have a way to do that or get to the um, a cooking, you know, a cooking class without transportation. And right, maybe right now that's not available to you because it's winter and maybe the bus isn't that accessible. So I think that those are all things to, important to consider is what is going to be a viable way to make this actionable plan um, instead of um, just uh, making the plan. You have to be you know, honest about where you're at and what resources you have and what limitations you have. I think that that's another thing. What is going to limit your asking yourself what is going to limit your uh ability to make this change is going to be really important. And that's where you can identify those barriers, right? We've talked about barriers in a previous episode, but basically what's going to hinder you from making those changes. So I think that that's really um, important. And then the last uh, question I would ask in this section is where can I go to for support? Again, this does not mean that it's an interdependent experience. It just means that you have a support person, whether that be a therapist, a family member, your caregiver, your doctor that you can call, um, identify one person that you can go to for support. Um, maybe it's the person who keeps all your records that we're talking about um, that I gave in a previous example. So I think identifying that person is going to be a huge help and obviously asking if they're willing to do that, not just assuming. Um, but I think that those are all things to consider uh, when make, uh, making a plan to implement change. Okay. This is the big step. Step number four, making or implementing the plan. So not making the plan, we're past that. Implementing the plan. How, so the questions that I, um, again, would ask are, um, so we talked about in the previous step how to make concise, smaller steps. And so it's more bite-sized and more um, achievable. 
Um, so in this one, instead of just writing out those small steps, um, how are we going to achieve those small steps in real time? So again, it's back to the bite-sized pieces, but this is the action-oriented part of the plan. So how can you bring those small, concise steps into real time? Is that having a gym bag packed? So that's one less thing you have to worry about when you're getting out the door to go to uh, the gym. Is that... Um, is that you know, having all your ingredients. Also, another kind of episode, or another kind of part of this step that's going to be mirrored from the last step is going to be talking about the barriers and how to address them. So I think that that's really important to um, realize, again, that there are going to be barriers to making your change, but that doesn't have to stop you from making the change, right? That just allows you to be more proactive and address those concerns. So again, I would write out all the barriers that you have. And um, this could also be limiting beliefs. You know, like we can, we've talked about the subconscious and the conscious mind. Um, so, you know, maybe you talk about like all the fears you have with um, these this new uh, implementation, right? Um, of a new transition. So I would... Um, Discuss the barriers, discuss what kind of thoughts you're having about them and how you can redirect those thoughts. And that could be a way for you to be able to really get focused and really get in the right right mindset or mind frame on being able to achieve this goal. And the last one, like I said, who can you call on to go to for support? Um, making sure that you have their name and their phone number and talking about when it's appropriate to call them and when it's not and kind of establishing those boundaries. Um, so again, you know, implementing the plan is basically just bringing the previous step of making the plan into an actionable uh, thing, right? Um, an, an actionable uh, oriented environment. And last but not least, we have the maintenance stage. So the maintenance stage is uh, the ability to make sure that you are being accountable for the new change that you made in your um, lifestyle. So it's um, making sure you're continuing those small habits um, and being accountable for when you say you're going to show up to things or do things. That It's that kind of stuff. Um, so I would also kind of consider, um, again, what small routines you can put in place. How often do you want to check in on these routines? Once a week? Once a month? Uh, do you really feel like you just kind of need to, like, do your thing? Um, and then, like, when you f you're going to just go with the flow, but then maybe there's something, there's, like, a little bump in the road, and that's when you'll address it. Um, how, um, maybe that's how you enroll your if you've gotten off track, I think it's important to recognize when you're getting off track. So how are you going to make a plan to recognize when you're getting off track? Um, like I said, how often are you going to reevaluate? How will you reevaluate? And I think that that depends on what kind of system you're talking about, right? So I think that, that those are all very important things to consider. And I think that maintenance is probably the most important stage, right? Because this is going to allow you to keep that effective change 
ongoing and it's just going to become such a part of your routine. It's not even going to feel like a new adjustment, right? Once you get used to the change, it's just a part of your routine. And therefore, you know, it's kind of just like getting up every day and putting on clothes. You just don't really even think about it. So I think that, you know, if you struggle with making a change, just think about the benefits of what that change um, that you're going to make is going to really provide you in your life. I think that just making this a very positive experience is going to be so crucial to making this a successful change. So those are the five steps. Uh, just to review, it's the pre-contemplation stage, the contemplation stage, the making the plan, the implementing the plan, and last but not least, it, uh, maintenance of the plan. So in the next stage, we're going to be, or in the next segment, rather, we're going to be discussing um, a real live example, because I want to give you guys some context, right? Um, so... Okay, so I feel like this is going to be the really fun part of the episode, and we're going to talk about a live example on how to implement or how to use those five steps that we talked about and be able to uh, apply that to a real life example, especially if you have a disability or chronic illness. So the example I'm going to give is to be able to make an um, exercise a priority. So again, that that could be maybe uh, your physical limitations make it hard to exercise and you want to find a way to exercise, but it's just hard. Or um, you just really just want this to be a part of your lifestyle. So like I said, the pre-contemplation stage is the first stage. And this would be um, you, um, us not acknowledging that exercise is an important factor, an important part of a lifestyle to be able to remain healthy and really just benefit us both mentally or just in all ways, mentally, emotionally, physically, and help with our disability or chronic illness. So again, maybe this is about excuses or insecurities. It's not really a priority at this point. It's more of a, you know, excuse, just kind of on the back burner, right? So that would be the pre-contemplation stage. The contemplative stage is um, maybe you have just made a new lifestyle change and you moved into a new apartment and they have a gym. That would be really cool, by the way. That would be so cool to have a gym that you could just go to and you wouldn't even have to drive. You could just go. Um, but anyway, back to the steps. Uh, so maybe because of this, you really want to make the exercise um, change in your lifestyle right now. Maybe you feel like this is the best time because, again, we've talked about it being the right place and the right time with the right resources. So, you know, this would be a perfect opportunity to make this lifestyle change. Um, but again, you know, make it uh, maybe this is also a way for you to meet new people. Um, but in order to do all this, you have to acknowledge that you need to make a change and also being able to recognize the benefits, I think, is going to be very important. So um, maybe making a list of all the benefits of being able to go to the gym right side at, right outside your house, um, what that can look like, what that can feel like. So I would, again, just make this a very positive experience and the ability to um, be open-minded and open to new experiences. Um, but again, that would have to acknowledge that you need to make a change. So I think that that's really important. So the next step is making the plan. 
So this is the who, what, when, where, what, and how. And I have also added a why into this section because I thought it'd be very applicable for this example. So um, who could I involve in making this plan? Um, and who could I work out with? So maybe you've met somebody at your new gym or at your new apartment complex that maybe you both have decided that you wanted to use the gym um, to get your money's worth, right? And so maybe that's your new accountability partner. Um, so I would, you know, start with that. So who's going to be your new um, partner to work with? Who is going to help you with this new lifestyle change? Um, what? So the what for this would be um, what you were doing. So that would be in implementing a new exercise routine and um, remembering your goal of health. So again, I have, a, you know, my what is my goal of health? Um, scheduling. So when are you going to work out? Um, what classes are you going to do? What equipment will you use? Um, and again, having that schedule so it's out there in front of you. Um, whether it be on your phone or a calendar on your refrigerator, anything that you can visually see, I think it's going to be important. Um, again, obviously, the where you'll exercise, it will be at this gym complex. Um, but I guess along with that, or, um, with the where, you could also look at it as, is it going to be a dance class? Is it going to be a yoga class? Is it going to just be the gym working out, or like the gym machines working out? So I think for that one, you could also talk about where you're going to do your exercise. Or if the gym's not available, like let's say they're doing their own maintenance or it's a holiday or whatever the reason is, where can you work out at home? Can you just get a few dumbbells and do something on your computer? So I think that also having that alternative option is going to be important. Um, again, how will I get there? Well, if it's at your um, apartment complex, you could probably just walk. Um, and what machines will I use? And last but not least, I think talking about the why is this important to me? Why do you want to add exercise and routine into your life? How will it benefit you? Um, and really just being very descriptive about why this is going to be such a positive change is going to be very, very helpful um, in my personal opinion. So again, implementing the change when you're going to the gym. Um, how many times will you go? What time will you go? Again, scheduling that. How will you get there once you're there? What machines will you use? Um, again, this is all the action-oriented part of the plan. So it's kind of similar to the same questions that we were asking in the previous step. Um, but really just evaluating all those questions and how to bring them into the action-oriented step. Um, again, whether the barriers, maybe it's crappy weather outside and it's maybe not safe to walk across even though it's across the street to the gym because of all the snow. Um, transportation probably wouldn't be a issue in this scenario because it's, um, right there, but, um, maybe, you know, maybe you're in a wheelchair and you need help getting over there. So maybe you can call ahead and see if there's a gym, uh, a person at the gym who could, um, come get you and help you get transported over there. Or if you talk, or if, like we've talked about having a gym buddy, maybe they can, start by coming to your house and getting you and then you guys can go to the gym together and then they can bring you home so yeah if you're you know if you have that physical um incapacity that would be another thing to consider for sure um who can i call if i have questions about the gym schedule um what are some incentives about going to the gym maybe you reward yourself maybe it's um if i go to the gym and hit my three workouts this week 
um, I can reward myself with X. So I think that that's going to be very important too. And I'll talk about incentives a little bit later. But uh, I think that, again, just making this a very positively framed experience, um, it's going to be beneficial. But it's um, really all just about making this a fun experience um, as much as you can. Obviously, not everything can be fun, but um, I think that you can have this change and make it fun. And last but not least, the maintenance with the schedule or the maintenance with the new implementation of working out. So again, uh, being accountable for your schedule, um, knowing how to get there, having um, your specific times that you go, knowing whether you're going to be doing a dance class or yoga or just using the machines. If you're just using the machines, knowing the routine of what order you use the machines is going to be important. And um I don't want to stay say stick to that. I'm not a health professional. I'm not giving any advice, but um, maybe you just find a routine that works for you, and you want to stay within that. Um, finding you know finding new things again. This is kind of back to that incentive part. Finding new things you love about this routine, I think, is going to be very helpful because um, it's going to motivate you to want to be an active part of this experience, right? So I think that that's really important. Um, and I think that with any change you make, whether that be a, a health goal or something with a caregiver or just something other related to other than that related to your disability, I think all of those are really helpful when talking um, about um, your disability or chronic illness. So anyway, that's my um, kind of two cents on how to make an effective change. And I um, want to apologize for my dog barking. Um, tried to edit that out, but some of it cannot be edited out. So I appreciate you sticking with me and I will talk to you guys soon. Thank you.